On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Raptors lay a very big egg in Boston against a kind of half-together Boston team. Not what you want. We'll dig into what went wrong for the Raptors in a loss that very well could cost them the eighth seed. And also, we'll get to the good, the bad, and the hmm, as we always do when we break down a Raptors game. We'll do it all with our pal Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1375 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, April the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of uh, all over the place. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can find my all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. You can also go subscribe to the podcast or follow the podcast, whatever you do on Instagram to support the thing you like. Go do that to the Locked On Raptors Instagram page as well. You can drop mailbag questions in there. Actually going to do a mailbag podcast tomorrow. I'll put a little prompt up on the Instagram, on the YouTube. Get your questions in, and we'll get to those with a little Good Friday mailbag. But for now, we are breaking down a Toronto Raptors loss to the Boston Celtics, 97-93. to Just a bummer of a game. It was right there for the taking, as was potentially the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference and the massive advantage that comes with. Alas, the Atlanta Hawks beat the Washington Wizards last night, and it's going to take uh, the Raptors winning out and the Hawks, I believe, uh, maybe losing out for the Raptors to get there to the eighth seed. So it seems as though the ninth seed is where the Raptors are going to end up. They clinched the ninth seed over the Bulls at the very least with the Bulls losing last night. So they're going to host, it seems, the play-in game next Wednesday, the 9-10 game. And uh, I'm sure everybody's very happy about that. Uh, We're going to dig into what went wrong with this game against the Celtics with our pal Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. Jamar, that stunk, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it totally did. And yeah, you're right. The Raptors would have to win out and the Hawks would have to lose out because they're one game ahead and they own the tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Atlanta has at Philly and at Boston to end the season. Philly's already clinched the three seed. Boston's already clinched the two seed. Neither of them have anything to play for. So you would assume, even though the Hawks are on the road, you would assume that they're going to sit a lot of guys and the Hawks will find a way to pick up a win out of one of those two. Uh, I mean, the Raptors Raptors are technically still in play for the seventh seed as well, but they would need need Miami to lose all three of their remaining games too and Mm -hmm. the Hawks to lose all their games. But yeah, we're going to be the ninth seed hey look a lot of these teams have made a habit of losing games they should win all season long so there's a glimmer of hope but not much <laughs> of one as it stands uh so yeah let's dig into it man there's a lot that went wrong in this game also uh, the the maddening thing is that i thought a lot could have gone right as well because i thought there was some pretty decent offensive process for long stretches of this game i thought in particular pascal siakam i mean 28 11 and 4 he was really really good and just kind of like a bailout guy for the team whatever the offense did bog down 
And when they bogged down, for the most part, I didn't think it was because they were stringing together long stretches of horrible possessions. There was a lot of good ball movement. There was a lot of good get into the paint, kick it out, move it around, swing it. Like It felt like there was some flow to the offense, which is a thing we've been clamoring for all season long. And yet, you go 6 of 33 from deep, and none of it matters. And as much as process is nice, and having good process is a thing to be uh, you know striven for, Ultimately, the results are all that matters in the final week of the season when the margins are so razor thin on your seating. You can't go 3 of 17 on wide open threes like they did per NBA.com's tracking data. You can't go 3 of 13 on open threes. You can't go 6 of 30 on wide or open or wide open or open threes, man. It's just it's indicative of a lot of the problems this team's had all season long. Yes, you get a 1 of 12 from Fred Van Vliet, and that doesn't help matters, and you're not going to get that all the time. But when you do get that and get nothing else, three-point shooting-wise, no 6-3 Will Barton outburst or anything like that, you're left kind of holding the bag in a game where the defense was certainly good enough to win, the offensive process was probably good enough to win, but at some point, man, you just got to convert. Mm-hmm. Uh... I mean, Boston didn't play to their standard, to say the least. And mind you, they were also uh, missing Jason Tatum. They were missing yeah. Robert. Uh, no, the Robert Williams played. They missed Al Horford, and they were missing Marcus Smart. So mm-hmm. basically, depending on what they do with Horford, that's like three starters, two yeah. and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Brown had 25 points on 29 shots. The OG effect, baby. (laughs) Exactly. So he wasn't really all that effective either. And yeah, OG Mm -hmm. was all over the place. You know, he had five more deflections. Uh, And then, yeah, it was basically every time the Raptors got close, they would shoot themselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't have the Raptors. The only accurate shooting they had on the night was their own (laughs) self-immolation. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The Raptors obviously are like the lowest turnover team in the league, but and they only had 12 in this game. But it just felt like their turnovers were very untimely. Like mm-hmm. it'd be a four-point game, a two-point game. Uh, it'd be a bad pass out of bounds. Uh, Scotty was guilty about a couple of them. A couple of his passes were off target. But other than that, Scotty had a really good game on both mm-hmm. ends. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned the, the threes that just wouldn't fall. And yeah, there was plenty of uh, of great. It's kind of early to plug my article, but there's. there's <laughs> I'll do I, it, baby. <laughs> I posted an example in the recap I have for this game where you know the ball swung. OG got a great. Uh, it was I think it was one of the first possessions of the third quarter. OG got a mm-hmm. great look, passed it to Pascal, passed it to Fred. Fred had a great good look from three, missed it, and that just yeah. basically was the story of the whole game where they just couldn't get over the hump and then when they finally tied the game precious made a three they finally tied the game malcolm brogdon was just a killer every time the raptors were just close he would go on a little run he went on a he went on a um he scored seven points in the end of the third which made the cut the lead from i mean extended the lead from two to nine because that's mm-hmm. when Pascal was basically carrying the team. Uh, he made it a two-point game, and then Brogdon put it by, to nine by the end of the quarter. Then when Precious tied it, uh, Brogdon used a screen, hit a big three, had an assist to Mike Buscala, who actually who also made a couple of big shots uh, mm-hmm. to to bury the Raptors. But it was just things like that. It was Raptors shooting themselves in the foot and Brogdon just being really good off the bench. And what a luxury for Boston to have <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon going into the playoffs. Yeah, that 
Very steady guy. Turns out the Raptors were onto something when they were in the Malcolm Brogdon sweepstakes last summer, reportedly. Uh, sure is a shame they didn't land him because uh, he would fix, I think, basically every problem that the Raptors have had. Uh, Three-point shooting, secondary ball handling, bench play. He He's not a center. They fixed that problem. Uh, but since then, I mean, the big problems have been all of the things Malcolm Brogdon does not being on the team in a reliable fashion, which is... Uh, it's tough stuff, man. He's a, he's a good player. Shame that one didn't work out. Uh, you know, this one did really illuminate. Like, this was, a, I think, one of the worst Fred games of the season. I think probably his worst, uh, definitely since the Yak trade, where he's looked fantastic for the most part. Um, the the defense on Brogdon, not great. Whenever he got switched on to Jalen Brown, the defense was a nightmare. I, I believe it was like eight possessions there's i have the 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 box score here i'll find it 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 was something like a double the number of points scored per possession uh that fred van vliet was guarding uh jalen brown as i fill time and filibuster waiting to find the numbers here that's right yeah switched on to jalen brown eight partial possessions and 16 points for the celtics on those possessions it's just it's the when in a game you lose by four that you can't have those margins man it sucks it's just really really brutal Switch defense, um, obviously the one of 12 from three. I thought some pretty erratic passes as well from Fred. And like, I'm not going to get into the whole what does it mean for his future thing, because not every single game needs to be a referendum on the future of the team or the future of Fred Van Vliet. But this was not his best night. And had you gotten like a 40 percentile Fred Van Vliet performance, they probably win this game. Yeah. Uh, you just can't go one of 12, man. It's just... <laughs> And he process is, is all nice and fun and good but yeah dude he, he <laughs> called himself out after the game as well yeah i mean yeah, yeah that yeah he has to play better and stuff like that but yeah mm-hmm. yeah not the best we're gonna come back on the other side get into some interesting stuff that took place in this game tactically in particular precious achua closing over Jakob purtle precious he's back baby he's got me feeling all tingly and excited about precious achua once again and we're gonna get into precious what he did in this game the decision to close with him over yak and why i actually think that's not a bad call i know some people were mad about it but uh i think maybe there's something a little interesting to mind there we will get to that in just a sec but first, we got to tell you about our good friends over at Ibotta. Ibotta is a wonderful company where they're trying to help you save money, get money back for the things you're buying anyway. Groceries, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself. You know you're already going to do it. Same goes for buying gas, all the different essentials of life. Why not get a little cash back with it with Ibotta? With Ibotta, you can earn cash back on every shopping trip. I got Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back it's that easy the average i bought a user earns about 120 bucks a year in real cash back that could cover the cost of an entire grocery trip that is the way to be baby you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with ibotta including lowe's macy's sephora best buy and more maybe you're buying a new tv big purchase coming up and you can use ibotta to get a little bit money back on that big time purchase right now ibotta is offering our listeners just or five bucks just for trying ibotta by using the code locked when you register just go to the app store or google play store and download the free ibotta app and use code locked l-o-c-k-e-d that's i-b-o-t-t-a in the Google Play Store or App Store and use the code LOCKED with Ibotta. All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day, breaking down the Toronto Raptors 97-93. Disappointment, ninth seed ceiling, almost lost to 
the Boston Celtics. Tactically speaking, interesting thing took place late in this game as Precious Achua playing a really good game. 16 points, 9 boards, crashing the offensive glass like a maniac. He was banging on the boards, dude. That was a fun thing to watch last night. He gets the closing nod over Yakka Pirtle. Yak plays just 23 minutes in this game. He was effective. He was a team best plus 10 in his minutes, but Precious Achua gets the call to close. What did you make of this decision, Jamar? You know, Jakob Pertl has been a mainstay when he's been on the floor. The Raptors have been very excellent. All of that. Did you have a problem with the decision to close with Precious in a close game here? Or did you think there was maybe something to the decision making from Nick Nurse on this one? Uh, No, I didn't have a problem with it. I feel like, you know, that part of the lineup, you know, who who closes the game at center is kind of fluid. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the fir- this isn't the first game that you know Yakov's been on the bench to be, uh, end the game. Uh, I can't. No, they close who- small against the Wizards one game where he was guarding yeah. Chris Stapps. Um, right. There was a couple right. other ones. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Um, I feel earlier in the game, uh, the Raptors were going over all the screens, mm-hmm. and Yak was playing really high. And that kind of created a little bit of driving lanes. Mm-hmm. So maybe Nurse wanted more mobility in that sense. Uh, Precious is already having a good game. Um, and I, I know you mentioned some people had a problem with it. And then, you know, Precious st- was, you know, justifying it. He tied the game with a three. I saw some people on Twitter. It's like, okay, let me shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> Just ride the poster coaster, baby. Just let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Precious was a big three. It was like shades of last season mm-hmm. when he tied the game. And then, you know, that, that was like the high point for the Raptors in this game. But, yeah, uh, Nurse gave him a lot of credit. Obviously, uh, uh, Precious minutes have been very sporadic. I remember, what what was it? There, there's a long stretch, probably a month-long stretch, where, you know, he was averaging like four points because he was only getting like 14 minutes a game. This was directly mm-hmm. after the Jakob trade. Yeah. So, you know, it's good to see these games from Precious, especially um, coming down the stretch of the season where you might lean on him again for, you know, I feel like it was a mobility thing. I'm not sure what your opinion on it was, mm-hmm. but to you, just have Precious confidence up because it's obviously it's been an up and down season for him. You know, it's, it's great. And no problem with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, um, you know, the the, the th- sort of argument against acquiring Jakob Pertl to begin with, the one I made before the Raptors got him, and obviously I've been yak-pilled ever since uh, he's played on the team, but, like, the, the issues are still there. He's not a perfect player. There are flaws that come with Yak, and my concern was, are you going to always be able to close with him? The free throw shooting's a thing, obviously. You get up against a more spacey big man or just a spacey team in general like the Celtics are, and is that a viable way to close games? And, you know, I think for the most part, you're going to close games with him. He's going to be just fine. He's going to, you know, anchor your defense, all that good stuff. He's going to create easy buckets for you on the roll. They're going to close with him more often than not, as they have, but... I also don't think it's a bad thing to have other looks. We've seen them go small with the Gary Trent Jr. look. This time they swap in Precious Achua in in putting out the starting five that I thought should have been the starting five from day one to begin this season, thinking Precious was going to be better than the player he's been so far this year. But this was the thinking there is it gives them a ton of mobility. It gives them a ton of switch ability. And I thought the ability of Precious to just kind of switch on to anybody and defend and hang, it's so valuable, right? And I think... 
that is why it made sense to me down the stretch to have him in there. Um, you know, I wouldn't have begrudged Nick Nurse for going with Jakob Pertl. If I begrudge him for anything, it's not bringing Pascal Siakam back into the game until there were four freaking minutes left. Yeah. Uh, what the hell? Like, he call a timeout. About- call a timeout to get him in. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. It, it, yeah, and he, like you said, call a timeout. He mentioned after the game that there was a three-minute stretch with no whistles. Mm-hmm. So Pascal, if only you had the agency to create a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that was way too long of a rest for Pascal. And he said, um, Nurse thought his team was playing well at the time, so he said that he actually didn't even mind the fact that you know the game was kind of going the other way. Mm-hmm. I kind of I think differently, but yeah. yeah uh, the, way, the, bench, the, way past- the bench playing well is not something to be ridden. It's to be like, oh my God, they, they played well for a sec. Let's get the dudes in now that they've gotten right. some rest. It's not like, let's see how long this lasts in a game you have right. to win. Right. He was trying to buy minutes, which, you know, we've all complained about in the past, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably a good time to get Pascal in the game. Especially yeah. when the fact like, like he only played what 35 five minutes against yeah. charlotte yeah no, that's like no a light way. afternoon yeah. for siakam exactly. uh, it's not like he played his it's not like he played his typical 46 yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah i think he was the only player that played over 30 minutes against the hornets uh the day before so yeah he was yeah yeah, rough stuff. Uh, but yeah, with the precious thing, I think the other thing too is like this is a developmental thing, right? The Raptors, if you want the team to be serious next season, if you think that the players that they have here are the group to go forward with, which I think is, is still the case, even with a loss like last night, I think there's plenty to buy into from what the core players on this team have done since the act trade. But if you're going to be a serious team, you got to have scheme versatility. You got to have different ways that you can throw defenses at opponents and Precious Achua is a guy who unlocks all sorts of possibilities for you, right? Like, he's been a good rim protector in the past. He can play sort of like, maybe not a full deep drop, but he can kind of play a semi-drop defense for you. He can come up to the level of the screen. He can switch. He can do all that for you. And I think getting him this run in a game where he's playing well, and we've been clamoring for Nick Nurse to give bench guys run just to balance out the minutes, and when he does give a bench the bench guy a run, he, he and he runs with it, like, I, I think it's perfectly fine to keep him in there. This is the type of stuff that you get down the line, you get to a playoff series, you know, maybe not this year, because it's not going to matter who they play. They're going to probably uh, be at the mercy of Giannis or whatever anyway. The matchups are going to be kind of irrelevant, but you get into things next year, and you get to a playoff series, whatever it is, you get to where you want to go having different looks we saw it in the playoffs when the raptors won the championship they played all sorts of different styles and different lineup constructions having different ways to play is kind of the name of the game in the nba in 2023 and uh, i think it was perfectly fine to close with precious i liked it didn't hate it at all really great to see him having an excellent game overall did you have any other bench takeaways because uh pu the rest of the bench (laughs) was bad yeah well let's see the rest of the bench combined for two points. We have Boucher. Prolific. Boucher, <laughs> one for four. Gary, 0 for five. He didn't look great in his return. No. But at least he returned, so there's that. Uh, Barton was 0 for two. So you add that all up. My quick map tells me that is one for 11 and 0 for five from three. Not great, man. No. Not great. I mean, Not the Trent thing, probably just rust, I would assume. Yeah, he he looked a little slow and laggy. Um, there you go. 
Yeah, but uh, you know the six minutes from Coloco felt a little weird, especially considering how well Precious was playing and how well or how little Yak played in this game. Um, you know, just maybe didn't feel like a Coloco game necessarily, even though he's had some pretty decent you know minutes run of late. You know, short amounts of time, eight, ten minutes, whatever. Um, but it didn't feel like a Coloco game to me. And uh, yeah, having to bring Will Barton in because Gary Trent Jr. looks so rusty, never what you want, even after his heater a couple nights or last night, whatever, two nights ago, Tuesday. I don't know. It's all blending together now. But um, yeah, man, just indicative of an ongoing problem with this team that I continue to think is the biggest problem with this team. Yeah, your starters didn't have their typical sort of tilted plus minus in this game you had fred having a really rough shooting night og had a pretty rough shooting night as well although there's some stuff i want to get to with him and the good the bad and the hmm that was pretty encouraging and nice but um ultimately you can survive nights from your starters having you know human off nights once in a while if your bench is there to fill in like we saw against the hornets on tuesday but if your bench can't do more than just have pressures that you would do something you're going to be screwed, especially against a, te- a deep team like the Celtics. And boy, oh boy, wouldn't it be nice to be deep like the Celtics? Uh, just a, a dream, a true dream to not have three of your better players and still have nine players who are pretty good. It's uh, not the best. We're going to come back on the other side, Jamar. Get to the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the show. Maybe there will be some good nuggets to pull. I think there were a couple at least. We'll get to that in a sec. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Right now, the NBA playoffs are nearing. The play-in games are next week. The Raptors will be involved. And if you want to do the happiness hedge where you bet against the Raptors so you can win some money in order to not feel so bad if they ultimately lose... FanDuel's the place to go, baby. And right now, new customers are getting a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained to betting on the other team to beat the team that you like so you have some level of happiness at the end of the day. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for the chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and LockedOn. All right, we've reached the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every single Raptors recap episode here on LockedOn Raptors. Uh, We'll start with the good, a thing we liked from the game, Jamar. I'll give you the floor. What you got for your good? Well, we already talked about Precious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to go with Pascal. Uh, really good. That, yeah, exactly. He had, uh, the, especially in the third quarter, when this game was, it, it was like, okay, this is getting like really pathetic. Why are the Raptors mm-hmm. down 10, 12 points right now? So uh, Pascal um, had his mid-range game going. He got to the free throw line. I think he was eight, eight of eight from the line. So yeah. So he made all of his free throws, and yeah, he gave the Raptors a chance to win this game. We already mm-hmm. talked about him being out of the game too long in the fourth. That is not his fault. He can't do anything about that. But overall, I thought Pascal gave um, what you needed to get from Pascal. And he has had a pretty good stretch against Boston over the last four oh, yeah. or five games. Because remember back in the uh, 2020 bubble, that was probably the lowest point of his <laughs> entire career mm-hmm. against Boston. But since then, maybe a game or two since then, he's actually had really good games against Boston. So 
yeah, it's good to. I know obviously they're missing a couple guys, but still, it's good to see you know Pascal. You know, obviously the Celtics are a team that we're going to see a lot, no mm-hmm. matter what the year is. So it's good to see Pascal put a good stretch together against Boston. Yeah, long gone are the days of him trying to back down Jalen Brown for 19 seconds only to uh, have it kicked away or uh, miss a, <laughs> a spin spin around or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pascal, really good. By the way, you know, I know there was all sorts of concern about Pascal Siakam after the yak trade of the sort of adjustment period of fitting in. Last 10 games for Pascal, 24.8 points, 9.3 boards, 5.8 assists on 60% true shooting. He's 61.7%. On twos, 83% from the line. The threes have dried up a little bit, just 20% in that stretch. But he's figuring it out. He's figuring out where his spots are in this offense. And I think that is a very, very, very good thing that should make people feel happy. He's basically back to his all-NBA from last season numbers since the Yak trade. So, uh, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, even though it feels like it today. Uh, My good... It's just one sequence of this game, Jamar. It was in the first okay. quarter. It's the it's the it's, it's Raptors two to one to Raptors seven to one. That's the stretch I'm going in. It's all OG and Anobi. It begins with OG having like a Calvin Johnson ass reception looking steal on an entry pass where he just kind of goes up and corrals it like one handed. It ends up going the other way. He hits a catch and shoot three at the other end. And then a couple possessions later, he has this massive block out of nowhere that leads to Pascal's running layup. Uh, Beautiful stretch of basketball. It only led to a 7-1 lead, but it was very nice in the time, and I felt very happy watching it. So that's my good from this game, a very specific OG outburst. Yes, you got something. Yeah, let me add one more When since we're talking about one possession. I thought that um, Scotty had a great defensive possession in the third where he was mm. all over Jalen Brown, then got mm-hmm. the steal, then found Pascal of court. I think that made it a five-point game, and then Boston called a timeout. So, yeah, that was probably my favorite possession of the game. Yeah, that was a really good one as well. Um, and OG, I mean, you needed a better shooting night from him for sure. Just 5 of 16, 2 of 8 from 3. But four steals and three blocks, he was a monster defensively for the most part. Outside of that one time he got pump faked out of his shoes by Grant Williams in the corner. It happens to the best of us. Uh, so I can't uh, wait to see uh, the defensive uh, teams. He should be on one. I think full stop, he should be on one. Shout out to our boys over at Pound the Rock, Joey Cash and Joe Wolfond, who found a way to get OG on the first team by putting him at as, as a guard, which actually uh, I think is right. He, per cleaning the glass, has played like 52% of his minutes as a shooting guard this season. Put him on the first team next to Alex Caruso, baby. Uh, well, let's go to the bad now. What you got for your bad, Jamar? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Other than gestures broadly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's many ways I can go with this. We've talked about Fred. Um, uh, the bench. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go with the overall shooting, which is going to play into my home as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, six for 33. Uh, you just can't do that. Two for 18 at the half. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, I believe Nick Nurse told the team at halftime that, you know, we've done this before as a matter of fact we've been worse because Mm -hmm. the raptors win against miami uh i want to say last week they were one for 16 from three at the half and they ended up Mm -hmm. winning that game 
Mm-hmm. We obviously all remember the Milwaukee game, the first game in Toronto, where they didn't even score for freaking half the first quarter. <laughs> this is not a good trend. <laughs> so, it's like, okay, yeah, we've been here before. We've sucked before from three. So, you know, we're all right. It's just like, man, man, we need shooting. Yeah, the draft, please draft some uh, corn-fed like Nebraskan who only shoots threes or something like that. That would be nice. Uh, let's, uh, my bad in this game, it's a more specific one. I thought this was a really bad game for the Raptors handling double teams. That Like a lot of their turnovers came out of just not really knowing what to do when they got doubled. And they've usually been very good at this, right? They have a lot of good short roll players. Their guards and ball handlers are typically pretty good at getting the ball out when a double does come. They're one of the better turnover teams in the league. And I think that's a big part of it is they're pretty composed when they see two bodies. The Celtics, to their credit, are a different beast defensively and are coached extremely well. There was one situation, I think, in the third quarter. might have been the second. I I have a really hard time remembering the quarters in which things took place, Jamar. It's bad. Uh, but there was a possession where OG had the ball up at the top of the arc. He dumps it into Pascal for a post-up, and Pascal gets doubled pretty quickly, and he just kind of scrambles and has to kick it back up to OG and Jalen Brown shoots the gap and just like perfectly timed to get a turnover out of it. And just that, that it was like a couple with OG where it, you know, he kind of saw a, a, a body or two. He didn't have any turnovers in this game, but like just kind of busted ass possessions where uh, the Celtics kind of neutered anything they were doing with that double team and kind of killed possession uh, momentum and all of that. Not a banner game for the Raptors handling extra attention in this one. I would say. Um, let's get to the hmm, shall we? What you got for your hmm? So this is playing off the shooting. Um, and uh, shout out to Iman. She tweeted out these thoughts, and I agree with her, so I'm going to echo them. Obviously, we know the Raptors are going to be the nine seed. There's no miracle happening. They're not going <laughs> to catch Atlanta. They're not going to catch Miami. So the way this is going to go is they're probably going to play this guy, then they're going to play this guy. <laughs> so, For those think- listening, uh, Jamar is pointing to his DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry <laughs> jerseys behind him. Uh, so, yep, that's probably the path here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Miami is a very unpredictable team this season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they 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 can play well enough to be Atlanta. And if they they stifle Trey Young like they did in the playoffs in the first round last year, it could be mm-hmm. going to Atlanta. Which one would you prefer, by the way, going to Atlanta or Miami? I'd rather play Atlanta for sure. Uh, okay. Atlanta feels just like kind of held together by string cheese, whereas Miami, uh, not super talented top to bottom, but... Oh my God, do I want no part of Jimmy Butler in a one-off game? No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, just playing off that, playing off the shooting, it's really hard to trust this team to be able to make shots on Mm. the road in a winner go-home game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really too, too worried about the first game, and obviously they have to beat the Bulls to get to that situation where they're playing the loser of Miami or Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But it's just, especially if it's Miami, I could just see the nightmare in my head right now. You know, <laughs> Spolstra's playing his 2-3 zone. The Raptors just don't know what to do with it. They haven't been able to play well versus zones for years. And <laughs> that could spark some, I don't know, 15-2 drought or something like that. <laughs> I, I already see the nightmare in my head. And it's just like, 
it's just very hard. And this is why getting the eight seed was so, so important. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, the Atlanta's had this crazy record long stretch where it's like, okay, we win one, we lose one, we win one, we lose one. And then 33 Raptors- consecutive games <laughs> broken last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the Raptors tie them. It's like, oh crap, we actually need to win more than one game in a row. <laughs> and it didn't help that Washington is basically sat, you know, no Beal, no Porzingis, no mm-hmm. Kuzma, no Monte Morris. So it's just like, yeah, they, they're they're done with the season. You're you're, you're like going Johnny Davis, uh, Goodwin, Jackers. <laughs> like, okay, cool, whatever. Man. So it it is A what it is. Murderers Row. Yes. <laughs> exactly, it is what it is. But it's just my hmm, basically long story short is I just fear that you know. Yeah, we'll probably win the first playing game, but the second playing game, I really, really don't trust this team to make shots on the road. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think their road home splits are that drastic in terms of three point shooting. I know Pascal's is, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just it's hard to see. And I hope they prove me wrong. Atlanta, I agree with you, would be a better route to get this done. So uh, basically, we should cheer for a Miami win in the seven eight mm-hmm. game, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it yeah. really suck. It would really suck to go all in just to lose the play in. That would not go with the fan base at all. Yeah, I mean, I guess the bonus there is you get your precious two lottery balls or whatever. Um, if you're the thirteen or fourteen team in the uh, in the whole hierarchy, there. Look, I, you know, I know there's a split faction as to whether or not the Raptors should have pushed for the play-in or not. I'm not here to litigate that right now. I think it's fine they're pushing for the play-in because I ultimately think that uh, the players they have on the roster, most of them are going to end up being the solution long-term as Scotty Barnes becomes more Scotty Barnesy as he uh, continues to get better. But we can save that argument for another day. Also, the idea of predicting them to beat the Bulls in the, uh, the first play-in game Yes, I think they should beat them, but also uh, this team... It won't be easy. ...is truly maddening, so who the hell yeah. knows? Um, yeah. yeah, and hey, you lose that one. I think you get like the 12th pick or something like that. Yay, the 12th <laughs> pick. Again, I don't care. Uh, the draft is voodoo. Uh, but that's uh, like my strongest held opinion, and you're not going to knock me off of it. Let's get to the hmm, shall we? For me which is the whole Jeff Doughton situation. Apparently right, a big meeting right. of the minds going down today between Nick Nurse and Bobby Webster to determine the fate and future of Jeff Doughton. The um, decision. The decision 2.0. Actually, it's just going to supplant the decision. It's now the only decision in the canon. Sorry, LeBron. Um, are we making too much of the paperwork behind a 2.4 per game point per game player, Jamar? Like, I know... Jeff Doughton should be on the team. He deserves to be on the team. I think they should convert him. I also don't think it's like this sky is falling disaster if they don't. They have his RFA rights going into the offseason. If they can get him onto the team next year, that feels more important to me than the last three games of the season or whatever we're at now um, and having him available for them and into the playoffs. You know, I, I just... I can't get too worked up about this one, but if you have a different opinion, please go nuts on uh, Bobby Webster and Nick Nurse and the whole mess that is the Jeff Doughton situation. Um, I think people are paranoid about this 
because of the fact that they've seen other Raptors that they wanted to stay, like, I don't know, an O'Shea or something like that. Sure. Which can we please have. stop with the O'Shea Brissett thing? He's averaging six points on a team with no forwards, and he's shooting like 39% <laughs> from the field. We can stop with the O'Shea Brissett <laughs> thing. It's fine. I'm just saying that seems to be the general consensus because, you know, players have gone elsewhere and Raptors fans were not happy with that. So they're like, mm. okay, is Jeff Dalton the next guy that's going to be, you know, overlooked? He goes on a different team. You know, he plays a bigger role. He lives up to that role. And then people are like, see, he could have done this on the Raptors. So I mm. guess, I guess people are not really looking into the, like you said, his rights for mm -hmm. next season. And, and stuff like that. Uh, people are not really looking that far. They're just looking, are you keeping this guy or not? It's mm -hmm. a more simple approach. So yeah. I feel like that's where that's all coming from. But yeah, uh, 50 games are done. So mm -hmm. we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean he, I could, he, could, he could help in spot minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think... That that would be a better option than your boy Malachi Flynn. I always have to get that in there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just I just think it's a I just think it's more of a fear than anything else of losing mm -hmm. him, as opposed to the specifics behind that. Sure, sure, yeah, and like yeah, like I said, the RFA rights are still there. They'll be able to sign him in the off season. Any other team, you know, there have to be a matching situation. And Jeff Dalton's not the type of team that some team is going to go tie up cap space in to go sign to an RFA deal. It's just not how it works for thirteenth men or whatever he's slotting in as. And that's ultimately what this comes down to. It's like consternation over a guy who probably is not going to play in a single elimination game where the rotation might be seven or eight guys deep at most it might be six guys deep honestly like maybe yeah maybe uh but like that's just how it is in a single elimination game you're gonna play the guys you trust most and as much as jeff Doughton has been a very impressive defender i don't trust him on offense right now i think there's a world in which i could grow to trust him on offense but i don't right now and i think it's just ultimately not the end of the world again i think he deserves to be on the team i hope they convert him but i'm also not going to be like the front office has lost its fastball over this one there are plenty of other things you can point to to say hey the front office has lost its fastball the back end machinations of roster paperwork are not it and i don't think this is even like a they're being cheap thing i think they signed joe Wieskamp, probably made some sort of promise to him don't want to just cast him aside after a month that makes sense as far as just like managing relationships with agents and players, even if it's just Joe Wieskamp. Um, I don't think they're going to go and wave Delano Banton, who's a candidate for this. If I'm being honest, he's the guy I would wave. I don't think Delano Banton's an NBA player, but I think I may be alone on the express bus on this one, um, riding the, the, the 1 a.m. bus with no one else there. But I, I, I think that would be fine. You can't waive Thad Young because his money could be valuable for trade purposes this offseason. And uh, Will Barton, you just signed. And I, I, I don't think you're going to go waive him either, a guy who has actually done more to help your team than Jeff Doughton has, even though he's not been very good. He's had games where he's popped offensively, which is what they badly need from the bench. So I don't think it's that big a concern. And they have Doughton's RFA rights. I would bet he's on the team and in camp going into next season. And we'll figure it out from there. But uh, we will know. Five o'clock today, the Bobby Webster Nick Nurse Showdown battling for the future of Jeff Doughton. Yeah, Televise it, please. <laughs> I love how we know the exact time that this may go down. 
Yeah, I mean, this, if there's anything to be sort of, like, pissed off about here, it's that there seems to be such disconnect, as uh, Michael Grange wrote in his piece for Sportsnet yesterday, seems to be some disconnect between, like, the intentions of the coaching staff and the front office, which I guess kind of only adds further fuel to the Nick Nurse farewell tour that we seem to be on right now. Um, Just, I'm ready to kind of wash my hands with the whole situation, really, Um, and... uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're in the final days of Nick Nurse here, Jamar. I feel as though the the winds are blowing that direction that way. pretty comfortably, and this doubt thing is another part of that. Since you since you bring up final days of Nick Nurse, uh, yeah. I'm just gonna go back on the throwback to 2000 because obviously this is old news now. But the, the the presser before the Sixers game where Nurse is like, you know, I've been here ten years, and mm-hmm. you know, ten years is a good time to evaluate things mm-hmm. i feel like i've only seen one raptor coach completely like just kind of kill the vibe like that <laughs> just going down the stretch before the playoffs mm-hmm. if you remember butch carter in 2000 oh i do <laughs> when, when he was basically clashing with players at the very end and mm-hmm. you know people blamed him for kind of like the raptors kind of like nose diving at the end of that season and ended up getting swept by the knicks and then obviously mm-hmm. butch carter ended up being gone it kind of seemed butch carter-esque to me and then, so I kind of put those two together. Not as bad. I mean, like, m- m- he had a whole thing going on with Marcus Camby. <laughs> Didn't him and Tracy McGrady have a whole thing? Was it wasn't that like people blamed that for why T Mac left and all of that? Could be. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like, obviously it's not that bad, but it just feels like a why now type of thing. Where yeah, I felt the same with Butch Carter. This is like. Throw back to OG Raptors fans. Mm-hmm. Would I be terribly upset if they were just like, yeah, Earl Watson's the coach for the last few games? <laughs> Probably not, just for the vibes. But uh, hey, we'll, we'll we'll get some some clarity, I guess, on the Nick Nurse situation. I would imagine it's not going to be the multiple week reflection period that Nick Nurse has talked about. I guess uh, let me put it that way. I feel like maybe we might have an answer as to who is going to be the coach of this team or who is not going to be the coach at the very least. A little sooner than that, we will deal with that whole burger another day, because that is a burger that is worth a whole episode of consumption. But uh, for now, we'll leave it there. Jamar, thanks so much for jumping on the show, dude. It's always a great time to chat with you. Everyone go check out your recaps. Where can people find all your recaps and other great work? They're on Raptors Republic. You can just go under my name. You'll see all of them. Or you can go to my Twitter, JamarBH. I have a link to all of them there. I have a recap for this game. Uh, the only thing that's left on the schedule for me is a preview for the Bucks game on Sunday. That should be a win. Or maybe we just don't care by that point because all the seeds are wrapped up and it's just like, okay, let's just not have anybody get hurt. But, yeah, it's wild. This m- the next time I'm on here in oh, two yeah. weeks, Raptors might not even be it. As, as a matter of fact, it might be a surprise if the Raptors <laughs> are still <laughs> and, like what well, the best case scenario would be like what the Raptors are. We're breaking down, down in two, two weeks one, time. Yeah. We're breaking down, down the, the O2 start in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Trying try <laughs> to push a, 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 a five game gentleman sweep into a six game series. That's mm, like the best mm, case. Scenario. The sweet spot, baby. Yeah. I look forward to it. So, let's, let's hope for that. Yeah, if not, not we'll likely, be like, but let's yeah, see. if it's not that, we'll be like reviewing the season of uh, Gary Trent Jr. or something like that. So you have that to look forward to next time Jamar is on the show. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Mailbag episode for Good Friday. I'm going to put a little prompt out on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Send in your questions. I'll get to the best ones, baby. Uh, and we'll get to those on tomorrow's show to round out your week. In the meantime, go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as the Buds are uh, trudging towards the playoffs. You're going to be hosting Tampa in the first round. Mike and Dave over there on Locked on Leafs doing a great job breaking it all down. And uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Friday, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for hanging.